Hello, listeners. Welcome to Freelance Friday with Bay Casey, a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experiences of freelancers. And today on the show, we've got Tommy Blake, who is a designer based in Dallas, Texas. Um, as with all the guests, I'm really thankful to have him on today. Uh, we are here at Wax Space in Oak Cliff, which is a co-working space that I'm currently officing out of and trying out the podcast studio for the first time. Welcome, Tommy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. What, uh, Dude, why don't you give yourself a little introduction and kind of tell the guests a little bit more about you and what you do, et cetera. Sure. I'm a freelance graphic designer. Uh, I work with all different sorts of clients, but um, primarily small to medium-sized businesses, startups, that sort of thing, and really kind of help them establish or reinvent their whole brand. So what that technically means is things like logo design, brand identity type work, the whole kind of look and feel of what that, how that company presents itself. Um, and into the kind of digital, uh, realm. So like a lot of UI and UX design. Um, so doing, um, you know, just simple, simple websites to, um, more complex kind of dashboards and big products that we're building. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the nuts and bolts, I just really kind of enjoy working with these, you know, small, small business startups because there's people that are passionate about what they're doing and who um, don't necessarily know how to convey that. And so I can kind of come in there and, and bring that passion to everybody else. So it's cool, man. Uh, yeah. And for those of you who might wonder, UI and UX stand for uh, user interface. And user right? experience. And user experience. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Throwing As I'm around. saying, I'm like, oh, these mean this. I'm sitting here. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. It's it's an interface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thrown around the industry. <laughs> there. Yes. Uh, so logos and websites. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. So so with all this stuff, what is kind of, I don't know, what is your backstory? You, you always had an interest in this or what kind of brought you to where you are today? Yeah. So I, um, I always liked drawing. I was always like a drawer, uh, when I was a kid and everything, but I didn't actually know that graphic design was a thing that you could do. Um, that wasn't like even on my radar. Um, so I actually went to school for architecture, which I think has some similar, um, like appeal, right? It's, it's creative, but you're like solving a problem. It's more like applied. Um, and was not digging that. And someone suggested I go check out the graphic design program. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's a thing that exists. Um, and, and just loved it. And so I, I was, I had a, I have a bachelor's of fine arts. So I went to graphic design school. That's kind of that background. And then I worked for several years in, um, like agencies and, um, I did some kind of like consulting type things after those agencies where I got to like move around, um, to different, clients, if that makes sense. So basically the way that one worked is I, um, I worked for what was essentially a staffing company and they would send me out for like, uh, temporary gigs at different places. So I got to see like work in house, do some like different types of things and really just seeing all those things. I realized that I liked that I, that I wanted more control and freedom, which I think is a lot of thing that, um, inspires freelancers. And um, decided to go on my own. So I've been doing full-time freelance for a little over a year, about a year and a half or so. Okay. Yeah. How's it been so far? It's been, it's been great. I mean, I, I love it. I mean, it, it's ups and downs, as anybody who will tell you. 
Um, and I was actually for, for like several years, I mean, ever since school, I've been like doing, uh, freelance stuff on the side, right. After, after work hours and things. Um, but, uh, it had kind of really ramped up that last year that I was working full time. And so I was essentially for a year working like two jobs, right. I was working like an eight hour day and then coming home and, um, working all night long kind of thing. And those were all just kind of people that I had like word of mouth that I had kind of like met, um, along through my career of like working at agencies and things. Um, and so it kind of got to the point where I was like, well, I'm doing this anyway. Let's like go all in and do it full time. That's cool. That yeah. seems to be a pretty common theme with people that I've talked to is the whole moonlighting deal where it's like, yeah, worked for an agency, did that deal, is able to get some work on the side through word of mouth. Like that seems to be a very, very common thread running through. Yeah. Did you, going into school, did you originally go in for fine arts in college before? And did you make the switch to design from architecture before that? No, I, I was in architecture for a whole year. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I did that. I went through their whole like program and things. Um, and there were things I liked about it. Um, but it wasn't what I kind of wanted to do for the rest of my life. Right. Um, and I think they also kind of effectively scared me off, which is what they're trying to do that first year <laughs> where they have like way too many students and, uh, they're like, you're gonna, you're gonna be designing strip malls for the rest of your life sort of thing. Like, no, but I want to like, do no, all the beautiful buildings. Exactly. I wanted to do something fun. So, um, that worked a little bit, but, um, yeah, I went through their whole, like their whole process and was just like, this isn't the this isn't what I see for the rest of my life that I want to be doing. And I, and I will say they, they had like a little bit less of a, it was a very like cutthroat kind of atmosphere that they created like on purpose for that first year. And I was like, nah, not about that. So that's funny. Yeah. Would you knowing what you know now, would you go through school again or would you take alternate routes going through it? Yeah, man. I, I know this is like a pretty, like people are pretty divided on design yeah, school. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's definitely like, you know, disclaimer, everybody is going to work differently and everything. But I think, feel that I got a lot out of it. I thought that it was useful. It was a time, you know, of like a lot of growth for me that was great to be surrounded by professors who were able to help like kind of prop that up and point me in the right direction. Um, and it even just made, you make connections with people that I, either get work from or just like can bounce things off of, you know, friends that I still have to this day. Um, and it, it, it even just like gives you the right language and things, you know, the right like headspace to be in, to interface with people that are like, that are in the industry, right. Where, yeah, you probably could learn all of that online, but it's a lot better when you have someone that's there that's like been through that, that you can kind of learn from. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I, I dropped out of school. I talk about this a lot on, on the show yeah. and I kind of have almost had this like, well, you don't need school like kind of mentality, but it's, I'm also kind of like, man, there's a lot of people do it though. And a lot of people I talked to went through school for this stuff and they do it well. And so as part of me, I'm like, man, maybe school's not as bad as I think as much as I've cracked it up to, you know, maybe it's more worth it. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's fair to say, you don't need school. I think that's like a perfectly valid like statement. A lot of people, I mean, like you as an example, right? Lots of creatives and, 
and non-creatives are able to really be successful and do the things they want to do without a degree, especially when we freelance, right? Because there's nobody that's like res- reviewing my resume. Like right now I get clients and things and they don't care if I went to school. They don't ask me, they wouldn't know, right? They only care about what I'm doing and how I'm able to present myself. Right. So like as a practical application. Now, obviously if you're searching for jobs, there's like an HR person yeah. that's going to look at a resume and that's going to help. I think in he, that sort of sense, almost kind of what I'm hearing though, outside of that is I've heard, I've heard that like business, as far as like business side of things, the few people that I've talked to about this have said, yeah, I didn't really feel like I was super prepared business wise, creative wise. They set me up, but kind of it, there's a lot of, I guess, classical training and theory and and stuff like that, that gets taught that, um, I guess the further removed I get from those situations, the more I kind of see the value in them and having a little bit of that structure to go off of and where kind of the mentality before was always like, well, people go to school and they learn all this theory and stuff and then they come out and they're so bound and stuck to that. And it's like, yeah, but once they break out, it's nice to have that foundational thing to go back to, to check yourself. Yeah. I think that's really true. Cause like a lot of that theory type stuff, the like design history and like, um, technically what's correct, correct when you're like working with typography or whatever is it doesn't seem like immediately, um, necessary, right? Because you can kind of go by gut, which is a big thing that, you know, design is a big, and also a, a great feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's a big feeling thing. Um, so yeah, there's some of that like kind of technical stuff that isn't, it's, it's not like readily apparent how it's applicable, but it's always nice to have to like kind of fall back on and to kind of create uh, a base there. So like if you know like the quote unquote rules for typography, you can start there and then like build on it, if that makes sense, right? Do you ever find yourself being in positions where you're like, man, something just doesn't seem or look right about this and I don't know what it is. And then you start going back and checking your theory or whatever and be like, oh, well, this is why, because I don't have, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know design theory, so I can't think of an explanation, like a correlation to that. But the only thing I can think of and a good example in my own life has been with music. I remember one specific moment where uh, I was writing an, an, an arrangement a few years back and something about it just didn't seem right. And one of the things in music theory that we like I was going to talk about is opposing motion. So if you have like a bass line that's ascending, you would want a higher pitched voice that's descending. So you have this opposite motion. And something just didn't sound right about the piece I was working on. And so then I start going to my kind of like theory checklist of like, okay, well, there are there any notes that are clashing or weird things? Are there parallel fifths? Is there opposing motion? And I did not have opposing motion. Both the, the bass and the like treble, like higher pitch voices were both descending, whatever. So I flipped one of them and all of a sudden it was like, oh, it works now. It sounds yeah. great. But it was only because I had that theory backing and to go back to, to be like, oh, this is that. Yeah, what it is. Do you ever have you ever had instances like that where you go back to it as a reference for stuff like that at all? Yeah, there's certainly times when, I mean, there's tons of times when I look at something and I'm like, right. what, something's off here. Um, and I, I think yeah, it's exactly like that. It's kind of a checklist because um, you know if you're designing like a poster or something, right? Um, there's so many parts that are moving around and I've just kind of put them on there and what like feels right. That's kind of where I start. 
And then um, you can kind of go through that and be like, well, okay, well, how's the competition, uh, composition? Is there like a movement through it, right? Are things balanced in this? Maybe I realize, oh, you know what? I've got like a bunch of stuff here at the top and like one little thing at the bottom and I need to kind of balance those out. Um, Or uh, you just realize uh, maybe I need to throw in another, like a complimentary typeface or something to kind of like soften up maybe it's too bold or whatever. Um, so yeah, there's definitely, I mean, kind of the same sort of thing, right. Where you kind of just run through a checklist and that checklist admittedly can come through from experience too. Right. Um, it can come, it doesn't necessarily have to come from like a design, uh, you know, like a specific checklist of like, all right, this in this book, these are the rules. Um, so obviously those, those can come from experiences as well. Um, but no matter where it comes from, it's always nice to kind of have that like, oh, well, this usually works. What if I try something like this, this kind of concept of, of composition balance, um, complementing typography or like photo and, and, and those sorts of things. With You mentioned some stuff with kind of uh, what you're doing now with brands where you're kind of fully branding them and taking them from the ground level, right? What... And then you mentioned that you kind of did some almost like basically like consulting work in the past. Yeah. What I'm obviously with the stuff you're doing now, like consulting work has to be a part of that. Yeah. What's your process look like with that as far as like what kind of questions do you have in that conversation and things to kind of drill down sure. to get to the nitty gritty of what you're actually going to be doing? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's, that's, that's super important when you're starting with, especially with like a fresh brand, like a new startup that has nothing. Um, obviously I work with a lot of, um, clients who have something existing. We're kind of reworking it. Um, but especially when it's something new, um, and you kind of have that clean slate, that's pretty exciting. So the, yeah, I do have a, a, a series of questions, Um, I like, I don't like to like, I know some people send like questionnaires, like to fill out like a form online or something. Right. I prefer to like get on the phone or in person if possible and just kind of like have a conversation so it can kind of move and flow. Um, but I definitely have, I'll always have like a list of questions to ask that are kind of standard questions. Um, and all those questions are really just to drill down on what the company or business, whatever I'm working with or the person who's a freelancer or something. Um, like what their values are, what they're all about, what makes them different from their, um, competitors, those sorts of things. So it'll be things like, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know just getting, getting out some adjectives of like how they view themselves and what their kind of value is. Could we do so, a mock run through? Oh yeah. So yes. let's say that I'm, you're like branding me Yeah. and we have on a conversation and we're sitting down, you don't really, I don't know, maybe you don't know anything about me or maybe sure. it's. Maybe you know that I do, we'll say I do video production. Sure. So yeah, the first thing um, I I have, like I said, I have a list of questions, but then like kind of a general vibe. So the thing that I always do first is I ask, so like, tell me about yourself and your business and just kind of open that up. Okay. You don't have to give me a, f- okay. uh, a fake thing, but, um, that always, that's always seems to help because, right. Cause there's a bunch of stuff that I can pick up on that, that they'll mention things like, oh, we're like really, I don't know, video production. We're like real flexible. 
our schedules are really flexible so we can shoot anywhere kind of thing or whatever it is. There'll usually be a couple key things that they'll bring up when they're just talking about themselves or they'll even bring up some things like, oh, I've been doing this for 30 years. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, that's a key point, right? So I'll just kind of make notes on that. Um, and sometimes it'll just be like free flow from there. Well, I'll just be like, oh, tell me about something that they mentioned, right? Um, but barring that sort of thing, uh, I would kind of, uh, so let's see, I would say, I would, I would get them to tell me about them, about themselves. I would, um, uh, I, I mean, this is all going to be out of order, but, um, I would definitely say what like makes you different from the other video production companies that are around you. So that'd be a big one. Um, would it be helpful if we actually ran through? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'm going to try to just like come just up like with something. It's not necessarily, maybe not necessarily me. I don't know. We'll just talk. We'll do it. Okay, okay. Cool. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So I would start with, um, so tell me a little bit about yourself and your, your business. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we primarily do video production. I mean, been doing it for about six years, primarily in the Dallas area. Uh, really enjoy working one-on-one -on -one with clients kind of more like closely knit relationships. I feel like it helps, uh, the process run a little bit smoother, uh, and cut out kind of ambiguous talk sometimes just to be able to like get to the point. Uh, some of the key things that I really enjoy focusing on are like high quality, uh, good production value for scale, meaning that like you get big production value, but it maybe it, it's not costing as much because I don't need as big of a crew because I do most of the work myself or yeah. maybe it's because we don't actually need all the equipment that a bigger production would use. Yeah, it might be better, but maybe it's not worth, and the, you know, whatever these, cl my clients examples are, maybe it's not worth their time or money to spend it because they're not as big of a company. So it tends to be like more mid-level companies, um, sure. Yes. Cool. So, um, what types of clients are you usually working with? You said mid-level companies, but are they like in an industry or for me, it kind of varies a little bit. Sometimes it's, I'm working one off of clients where I just do fulfillment, where somebody just comes in and it's another production company and they need somebody that's a drone operator. And because I'm sure. a licensed drone operator, they hire me just for that. And I turn footage over at the end of the day. Other times, uh, maybe it's a church and we're doing a capital campaign fundraising video. And so we're going in and we're shooting interviews with uh, church members and faculty members and kind of exploring plans for what um, a renovation project might look like. Uh, other times, it's working with an ad agency as part of the team. Uh, to do social media stuff for either like restaurants or sporting teams. Um, and so it does kind of like vary a little bit. Yeah. And I would assume those, um, different clients are, are, uh, very a lot like stylistically too. Yeah. So you're kind of, you feel you're comfortable, able, like fitting your tone and, and look to the client. Yeah. I try to be, try to be versatile and I try to make it to where almost I function as a part of their team and a part of their company Yeah. versus being a hired like separate other mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you touched on earlier was like telling the true story kind of thing. So like authenticity seems like a theme that you're kind of bringing through there. What are some other 
if, if authenticity is, is an example, what are some other like adjectives, words you would think describe the type of videos you want to create for your clients? Um, story driven. Cool. Um, yeah, I like authentic a lot. That's a really good one. Uh, I don't know exactly. Not rushed. Like okay. methodical yeah, yeah. maybe. You mean like the process more, itself? Or yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, because it tends to lead into a better product, I feel like. Sure. Yeah. And you also mentioned, um, you know, that kind of real custom feel, right? You're able to be very um, flexible in terms of subject matter. So there's like several good words that we have right there. Um, so obviously there's a lot of other people who are doing video production that these clients could could hire, right? Right. Why, if, if we were asking, why would they hire you above those other people? Uh, I think it's the personal connection a little bit right. for me individually because uh, of the time that I like to put into projects and kind of, I like to go to the extra mile and make sure everything's done. Like all the, 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 the I's dotted, all the T's crossed. Sometimes it feels yeah. like to a fault. I'm a bit of a perfectionist <laughs> in that realm. Uh, I feel like people will come to me for transparency because I don't try to sell them on stuff that they don't need or try to like, I'm not there to try to make a whole lot of money out of them. My goal is to really try to figure out where they're at and what they need and give them like only the things that they need. And so I try to consult a little bit and ask questions like, Hey, where are you using this stuff? What's who's, who's watching it? What are you hoping them to take away from it after the fact? Stuff like this. Uh, so that's, the, I mean, those are the kind of the things that I hear coming back whenever I ask other people, Hey, why do you hire me? It's like some of those kind of things. Yeah. Um, or so you, you mentioned kind of the, your, your tar, your target kind of audience, right? Um, are these, what kind of role do these, the people that you talk to at your clients, um, what kind of role are they in? Are they like the CEOs? Are they like marketing? Are they like... Uh, a lot of times they're going to be more either marketing or like product developer or producer kind of roles versus CEOs and and like tops organizations. Not quite as much. Yeah. Sometimes not always. Um, and how do they, how do people find out about you? Most of the time it's word of mouth. They either in personal relationships. So either it's somebody that I've known for a while and they're like, hey, I need this thing. Or it's a, hey, I, uh, somebody I've known for a while has a friend or somebody they know that's like, hey, I know I'm looking for video work. Does anybody know somebody? Or it'll be previous clients uh, either rehiring me or referring me to others. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to get clients. It is the best. Yeah. Um, they already know what to expect. But yeah, basically, I would kind of, we'd kind of go on those lines. But, um, the, the kind of key things there are, we, we talked about like who your, um, who your target is, right? Cause obviously if somebody is in a different line of work and they're like selling a product, right. They're selling like juice or something, right. Then they may have like, we may spend some more time like building out that profile, but we learn, uh, I kind of like learned who we're talking to, right. You're not talking to CEOs. You're talking to like marketing people, production people. So there's like a general, 
um, like language and formality that we can, we can kind of gain from that. Right. If you're talking to like, if, if you're talking to like CEOs of like, say it's some giant company, right. Say you were a video production company that was like trying to make commercials for like AT&T and you know what I mean? That's a right. very a different big, yeah. sort of thing. Now, obviously those people are still going to be pitching to like marketing people as well. Like they're not pitching to the CEO. Um, but there's like a very different atmosphere there. Even if you're like focusing a lot on startups, right? A lot of the times you are talking to the like three people who work for that startup, right? Right, yeah. Because um, they don't have a marketing person, right? They're all the marketing person. So like we, we can kind of like talk so we kind of learned a little bit about like who your audience is. Right. So that can inform the like tone of your brand and how we, how we talk as well. Um, how like the brand quote unquote talks, um, and looks. And then we talked even before that, like some things that just define you, right. We had those like adjective words, which are great adjective words, right? Like, so authentic story driven, custom, not rushed, I think those were the four we talked yeah. about. We talked about those. Um, usually I'd be writing all this down, you know, <laughs> so I could look at it later. But um, the, yeah, we kind of have that. So I can kind of have a picture of you and what your service is. We'd, I, I skipped right over your services, right? But um, we'd make sure to get that, uh, which is like, what, what, what like literal things do you do, right? Um, because that can vary when somebody says, oh, I do like interior design. Well, that might just mean, like, what does that mean? Because that encompasses a lot of things, right? Right. So we can focus that, and that'll go on. We'll, we'll kind of go go with that for a little while, and that kind of gives a picture of, like, the company as a whole, which gives a good baseline. Um, and then wouldn't kind of move into um, things like actual design discussions. So we can do that if you want to. Sure, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, f we, we've talked about kind of how you, you your business as a whole. So I have kind of like an idea of that. Um, what, if you were to use a few um, adjectives to describe how you want your brand as a whole to like look, right? So some examples would be like elegant or rustic, right? Those sorts of words. Mm -hmm. Um, what are kind of the words that just popped your uh, head? Polished, cohesive, or consistent. Yep. Uh, intentional. Okay, cool. Yeah. I want to be very, yeah. Uh, those are the first few that come to mind. Yeah. Yeah. So those are all great. Those are all great things. So, um, yeah. Do, do you, you mentioned a lot of those words. Are there like specific brands or like companies that you feel embody those characteristics? Yeah, there's a few. Uh, the very first one that comes to mind is ASRV, which they do like clothing and fitness. I think cool. uh, I'm having a hard time thinking of any off the top of my head right now, but just typically it's very... I find the ones that I'm drawn to a lot, I feel like make a really good use of colors. Okay. And there's not necessarily like too much color going on. Yeah. But it's very tasteful. Uh, I'd like some, I'd like more straighter or bold, more intention lines versus 
versus like a hand drawn or kind of like unkept, yeah. uh, just like every point to whenever I can look at a brand and look at every point and be like, Oh wow. I go to their Instagram and I go to their Facebook and I go to their website and I go to everywhere. And the profile picture is the same and the banner yeah. is the same yeah. and they've like updated everything everywhere and all this, like those are the kinds of the things whenever I look at brands that really stand out to me. Yeah. So then that's, um, a, a lot of the times outside, you know, a lot of the times, uh, people will not have examples when I talk to them. Right. Mm. And that's a great like little like homework thing that I tend to give them. Right. Because, um, those, uh, examples that you give, um, is perfect because I can take a look and see the things that you're like unable to say. Right. Right. Sort of see uh, the patterns you, in it. Even just as an aside, you have all the language to answer lots of these questions. Right. Um, I know you're kind of just, you know, thinking of them, but like a lot of clients are very uncomfortable in this sort of thing. They're just like, I, I don't know how to, I don't know what adjectives describe me that that's just like a foreign concept to me. Um, and then it takes a little bit more kind of like encouragement and, a and, a just admission that like, Hey, it's okay if there's not an answer to these questions. Right. Um, because we can move on and we can get there some other way. Right. Um, and that often comes in like, um, you know, that's the great thing about the, uh, conversation approach rather than like a form, an online form or something. Cause if the, if somebody gets to like, uh, describe your company in three adjectives or something, and they're just like, I don't know. It's, it's like a business that sells things. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> people have more imagination than that, yeah, but you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they, um, if they're stuck at that, they're just going to skip it and I'm never going to get that. Um, but if we're having like a conversation then I can say, Hey, you mentioned, uh, bold. You said the word bold, I think yeah. you said like clean and bold. And those are both like, you just use two adjectives that you like. Right. Um, so a lot of the times people can go that and be like, yeah, okay. So, and, and we can look at the examples. We can like pull up the website of, um, something they like and say, okay, what do you like about this? And they'll say, oh, I like the color, right? So one, one thing, like if you, you mentioned the color, right? Um, so I don't know what, we're not looking at it now, but like if it's a, like one bright color and then the rest are muted or something like that, like a real pop of color, um, then we can go, oh, okay. Well, yeah, you like a kind of like generally pretty chill website, but then really like popping out with that yellow or whatever. Um, so then we already have kind of that. And it, I mean, really it's all, um, just a bunch of different pieces that are coming together. Um, and I'll usually kind of end that like kick off like investigation call or, um, I'll have like a long, like a bunch of notes and I'll have to just go like back and like distill it down. So, um, yeah, I feel like that, like a conversation that you're just having and making sure that you're like, you're talking about things. I, I always make sure to ask like, do you, are there any colors that you hate? Right. Because I've had that before where people are just like, Oh, you show them some logos concepts. Like, Oh, I hate purple. And you're like, Oh, now okay, you hate cool. this whole thing. Yeah. But if it could have been blue, and they you know, have I mean? liked it. Yeah. And they may have liked it. So th things like that, like, and other people will come and they'll be like, no, no, no. I know I want a tree as my logo and I know I want it to be like green and yellow, 
And you're like, okay, that's good to know. Because oftentimes I will give, I, I want to make sure that I give them a green and yellow tree or a couple options of green and yellow trees. Um, but then maybe something that takes a little departure from that. So it's always good to see cause what kind of preconceptions they're coming in to mm-hmm. the process with. Um, and we can go from there. So then from that, I'm guessing that's, that's probably the initial, more or less one of the first, like first or second conversations you're going to have with a potential client, right? Yeah. I'll try to have, um, kind of more of a, uh, get to know you and like scope conversation. Um, so that we kind of, we're on the same page in terms of like what we're doing. Um, and that's where like money comes up and everything. Um, because that conversation that we would have was like, that's a very like, I mean, it's going to be at least, it's going to be an hour or an hour or two of like talking and those sort of things. Yeah. Not two hours, but you know, it's going to be like a long conversation. Um, and we don't need to have that conversation if a, we're not, we are like personalities don't work. Like we're not going to get along, which I say that, but that's never happened. So whatever. Um, but like if we haven't met each other, right. And if we're not aligned on like how much it's going to cost, if we're going to be honest. Right. So I'll usually have a call or, or sometimes it's emails, depending on what they're comfortable with, where we just kind of go, you know, talk about what they need and we kind of outline a, a like rough scope and I send over a quote. And then if they're all good, um, then we'll, we'll get into that, all that discussion. That's kind of like the kickoff, like the beginning of like the creative process. Okay. Um, so like, yeah, so you've already got budget thing. and stuff and more or less d- yeah. dialed in and like figured out at that point. At that point. Yeah. Because that's a long conversation and that's a conversation. I'll, I'll ask some of those questions like, like obviously like tell me about your business and this sort of thing, um, is important to know getting off the bat. And, um, one thing that I didn't mention, but I'll usually, because I'll usually talk about it before is like, why, why are you doing this kind of thing? So why are you in this line of business? But also like, why do you need a logo? Um, because they may have a logo, right? And, um, I may say, well, I think they need a logo because that logo looks dated or something, but they may be able to shed some light. They're like, oh, well, actually we need a new logo because we're changing the name or we need a new logo because, uh, we're changing our like target audience or something. So, um, why, why you want to do this is important. And also sometimes people come in there like, uh, well, somebody said we need a new logo and then we can like unpack that. Too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that conversation that we just had would be kind of like the very first step of the like creative process, so which ha- would come after the like new business okay. process. So then how do you, Cause so, so it's interesting cause like for me, I would typically almost do some of the, the scope figuring like the, that deeper conversation, maybe not as deep as that as you are. Cause I'm not branding, yeah. but have that on the front end before pricing. Cause then I understand like, Oh, more of like, Oh, it goes into it. Yeah. How are you able to on the front end of things? Like what's the process like as far as figuring out what it's going to cost and being able to accurately give them numbers on the front end? Yeah. So you're right that there is like a smaller version of that conversation that comes before. Right. Right. But we don't really need to get into like all the real specifics. Right. Um, so yeah, I'll just ask like a, a short version of that. So we'll kind of get like, what's your business all about and what are you hoping to accomplish with whatever we're doing? So branding and like when I say branding, branding is like a huge thing. But brand identity is the more like technical correct term. Um, but um, 
we're designing a logo and then we're deciding what the like all of their stuff will look like right we're defining their colors and their fonts and their um like what's their photography style and those sorts of things so that's kind of what we're talking about there um when that that conversation was more for that kind of like brand identity conversation it does change a lot if we're doing like a big uh like web project so a huge user interface that's like a completely different there's a lot of those same things but then we're gonna have to get a lot more technical and i'm gonna have to have those really technical conversations before i can quote anything right because i need to know exactly what features they need on that site because that's going to be more or less work for me um in terms of i need less of that up front when doing kind of branding i just need to have a better idea of their like kind of business in general and not the nitty-gritty because in the end I'm delivering the same sort of thing, right? It's a few logo options and then we refine those and then kind of the whole um, brand identity system. So you got more of a yeah. process down for yeah, like it's, brand identity yeah. development. Yes. Okay. So you, you, you bring up a good point that like, yes, that would be very different if I was doing, if someone said, Hey, we we're building a dashboard for whatever, for, for like restaurant owners to go in and, order stuff from or something. Um, but, uh, if, if that's the case, we're going to have to have that conversation on the front end because I have no idea what it entails. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, it's really the, the great thing about just being me is I can be flexible on that. Right. Um, the only, yeah, I just try to get all the information I need before we kind of like decide to move forward so that we're all on the same page. And then the details we can iron out like in a kind of kickoff, creative kickoff call. Okay. Yeah. With the pricing and everything, do you, how do you figure out what, what things like, I mean, I feel like, I feel like a lot of us have our own kind of ways that we go about getting to what a number is going to needs to be for a project. Yeah. How do you figure that out or kind of come to that number you're going to propose? It's like hard every time. And I think <laughs> that's, that's part of it. it. And you know, it's, it, it changes, um, you know, based on, you know, so many factors. I tend to see, you know, I, I kind of base it on like how long it'll take me, which is a, a big part, like number of hours that you I feel estimate. like you've done stuff enough. that You have an idea of how long stuff will take you. Uh, yeah, I have an estimate and I'm always wrong, but right. it's, it's like in the ballpark. So it's okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I kind of can, I've, I've brought, I've, I have like a whole spreadsheet and things that I have, but then I just change it from that anyway. So, um, based on like, uh, kind of like hourly rates, uh, like estimated hourly rate times hours and come up with something. And that usually gives me like a ballpark. But then I ask, I change that based on like if it's going to be, if I know it's going to be more work to work with that client, cause maybe they have like several people that are having to like approve things. And so it's going to be more, or if I know it, if it seems like it's going to be pretty smooth, you can bring that down. So, I mean, it changes is what it is. Um, and you know, you're, I work with a, a decent, like kind of range of, like size of companies. So they have different, they have different like budgets and it's like worth more to some of them. Like, a, a, 
it's worth a lot to everybody. But, um, you know, a, a good example is like, you know, if you're doing something for like Coca-Cola and you do like a, a great, like advertising campaign or something for Coca-Cola, which isn't really what I do at all. But if you do that, um, and it goes really well, they're going to make like billions of dollars. You know what I mean? Um, or millions of dollars. I don't know. Lots of money. Um, but if you do it for like mom and pop coffee roaster, they're going to make, they're, they're going to make like some more money. Right. So there's obviously like a different like investment and return there. Yeah. So I do kind of scale a little bit based on the size of client, right. And what their, what I know their marketing budget is. If it's some, like I I worked for like a coffee roaster who's like, you know, he's just got like a roasting room and all the certifications and stuff, but he's just kind of selling it, you know? So there's kind of a level of what he's getting, right. The value he's getting from it. So that's what, I mean, people talk about like value-based pricing is like a, it's like a buzzword thing. Um, but that's, I mean, it, it is very true. If, if somebody has, I'm not, yeah, if somebody has, um, more to like kind of gain, then they're, they're able to kind of invest more in that. If yeah. That makes sense. Which gives you the latitude to be able to put more into it and more time and yeah. not worry about as much. It's it, the value based pricing is very, it's a very interesting topic it because is. some people I feel like could be all for it and, and understand it. And other people are like, Oh, that's bullshit, dude. Yeah. Cause you're doing the same amount of work and you're like, yeah, yeah. I am but it's not, but it's worth different. Yeah. Some, it, and so I think two, there's like two things. Yeah. I, I totally hear that with value. Cause like, I don't want to just like charge somebody more because they have a bigger budget. That seems like dishonest, right? Yeah. To like say, well, I'm going to do the same thing for this guy, but I'm going to charge him like 60% of what I'm charging you or something. Um, so I totally get that. And I, and, um, I mean, the first thing is I kind of keep start with the same like base, um, uh, kind of starting point and then kind of build or subtract off of that, if that makes sense. Um, so for me, but this is just my personal stuff is like, nobody's paying like drastically more, you know, nobody's paying like 300% what the other person's saying. You know what I mean? Right. Um, there's, there's a whole thing that like BP paid like $200 million for their logo. Um, which is, well, I'm sure decently true. I haven't really looked into it. Um, but like that was like teams of people over several years. So I use that to like say that even though it is the same outcome, it's not always the same amount of work. Yeah. If I have to have very different. Yeah. If, if, if I have to have meetings with like, you know, like six big meetings to get this things approved, like, up different levels and then each person at each level is going to come back to me with something because they've got this big organizational structure and stuff. That's more work for me than if I'm just talking to the, like the one person who's in charge of this whole thing. If that makes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Pricing's hard because I know when I was starting out, I just wanted somebody to tell me how much a logo costed. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like, as if it's a product on a shelf or like it costs this much to manufacture. Yeah. And it, and obviously it's going to be, it's completely different because you're paying for like years of experience of the person who's working on it. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the time, the, the types of experience. So, I mean, like 
there's so many different factors to consider there. Um, I, I remember when I was in, in school, I, some, some person was referred to me and was starting a business and was like, can you make me a logo? And I was like, yeah, of course I said yes. But then I like asked my professor next day, I was like, how much am I supposed to charge for this? And he gave me like a, the most like, you know, it's, it's like super non-committal, not non-committal, but like, <laughs> like I wanted a number with a dollar sign and like some zeros. Right. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and he was, he was just uh, like, did a really great job of, um, explaining like, well, there, there isn't an answer to that question. Right. Like you have to choose. Yeah. It's like how much time. It. Yeah. It's like how much time it's going to take you and, and, um, what it's going to be like to, I mean, work with this person. I've charged people just cause I didn't really want to do it sort of thing. You know, you can kind of go, it's going to be difficult working with this person. They seem like they have a lot of, um, I don't know, there may be some friction. So you're like, all right, well, then it's worth like my time is worth this much. Right. Cause, cause essentially you they're paying make, you for your time yeah. and, and experience and dealing with their BS yeah. or whatever. And you're like, well, this is going to be like extra calls. Right. And so since I'm, since I typically for like branding stuff, I, I bill like a flat rate, um, for a defined scope. Right. So it's like more calls is just like more time that I'm spending, but making the same amount. So, so then that way at the end of, or at the beginning of the project, the client knows what it's going to cost for the final product that they're going to yeah. get. That's not yeah, like yeah. a variable. Yeah. That, I mean, I do both, um, for some, for things that are more the, it all really comes down to like the scope of the project. So uh -huh. if it's really defined, like I'm delivering you these things and I know what that'll take sort of thing. So like most, uh, like brand identity projects, I can do that. And I prefer to do that because then I'm, I'm rewarded for going as fast as, as I want. You know what I mean? When you work hourly, you're like punished if you're really efficient, which always frustrates me. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I like that. And they, and clients enjoy that because they're like, I'm spending this much and I'm getting this thing. But then there's other things, which, uh, projects, which are like super variable and changing, um, that I know it'll work better for like just hourly stuff. So I do do some hourly work for those sorts of things. Cool. Uh, is f what about as far as like accounting, and the the like bookkeeping side of stuff. Do you do that stuff yourself? Do you have somebody else that does it? How do you handle all that? Yeah, and invoicing and contracts and all that. Yeah, I do all that myself. I have a an accountant for taxes because that's complicated, and I need somebody who's you know an expert at that. Um, but I do all the invoicing and um, contracts and things myself. I I use. Um, there's, there's tons of great software and stuff like fresh books and things. Um, I use one called bonsai, which is, uh, the same sort of thing, but I can send contracts through that and they can sign them online. I can, um, s send invoices and connect it, um, accept payment through there through like, uh, credit cards and things. Um, so I kind of just use that for my whole kind of like accounting. And then I can really just at the end of the year, download like a it downloads a spreadsheet that I can send the accountant for like taxes on my income. Do you, are you able to keep up with your expenses through that as well? Or are you doing that separately and then handing it over? Yeah, that, that they do. You can do expenses through there too. Okay, cool. It's kind of nice too. Cause you can, uh, 
select like to bill uh, in, uh, an expense to a client and it'll go on the invoice ah. or you can not like if right. I'm, you know, I'm paying for like so then that uh, way you have all the in- software, or all of the, so are your expenses tied to specific projects then sometimes as well? Yes. Sometimes. So like I have some that are like, oh, I had to buy a new monitor or I'm paying for, um, uh, like Photoshop every month or whatever, you know, Adobe stuff. Uh, that's all just general expenses, you know, that, and then I have like, Oh, I had to buy these like typefaces or, uh, photos or, um, or this travel even for this client. So that gets billed to them. So Mm -hmm. it's both. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with the contracts, whenever you're drafting that stuff up and figuring that out, where do you get those from? Do you just writing them yourself? Do you have a lawyer? What's so, yeah, I, um, there's tons of like, uh, I, I started with like a template you can find them online. Um, bonsai, the contract thing that the invoicing that software that I use, they have one, like a general contract. Um, and then I've changed it. Um, just tweaked things that made more sense. Um, I have had, I, I don't like have a lawyer quote unquote, but I have had a lawyer look at it and su- suggest some changes. Um, and I pretty much just use the same one and change the scope or, um, you know, scope and rates and things for each client. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever needed to resort back to a contract for anything or so, enforce it? So I have, Luckily, um, never had to like, like go to court or anything with it, with a contract. Um, but that's not to say, I mean, I all, I have many times gone back to like that scope that we agreed to. Right. Um, and been like, listen, like we didn't agree to that. Right. Um, so yeah, that would be a huge piece of advice for anybody that's starting out, like always have some sort of like written and agreed to document that says, I'm going to do this in maybe in this amount of time, if that's defined. Um, and then you're going to pay me this, right? Because I've definitely have had to refer back to that and be like, no, you said that we didn't need this feature on the website. Like you said, you didn't want a blog on your website and it's, it's like explicitly stated right here in the scope. And then they would be like, we can add a blog, but it's, that's like in addition to what we had agreed to. So it's like outside of our original agreement. So typically when, in my experience, and I, and I've been lucky to work with a lot of, you know, great people, but, um, typically when you go back and you say, Hey, uh, I'm, I'm forwarding you the, the contract and it says here, that whatever we're talking about, uh, they go, Oh, okay. Yeah. My bad. Um, can we do that? How much would it cost extra to do that? Or never mind, We'll do that later kind of thing. So I definitely have to go back to the contract or scope, um, to like remind people of things and it's great to have it in writing. So, okay. So you've been freelancing for a year full time. You said, and yeah, you've been kind of like off and on for years before that. What, what kinds of stuff do you feel like that you've, what are some of the like big takeaways or things that you felt like you've really learned that you maybe wish you had known earlier on or would have been more helpful for you to know that might've like helped prevent some, some pain or like difficulty along the way? 
things. Yeah. One, one big, um, one big thing is kind of what we were just talking about, um, to like make sure everyone is clear on what you're doing, um, and have that in writing. So basically have a contract and that's like pretty, pretty standard advice, but it's, it's easy to be like, yeah, yeah, I'll just do that. Even if it's an email or something. So, um, that's good stuff. But, um, yeah, I think the, the thing that I learned or the thing that some things that I've taken away is like everybody, everybody like starts freelancing for different reasons and they have different ideas of what that wants, what they want that to look like. And, um, there's kind of this, uh, like atmosphere of like, you gotta like that kind of like be on, wake up and grind sort of thing, um, which is totally valid. Um, but I kind of wanted to, uh, get into freelancing because I wanted the freedom to kind of make my life look the way I wanted it to. That makes sense. So obviously like hard work, like if you don't work hard, especially as a freelancer, nothing's going to happen. Right. Um, because you're going to have to work hard and, and, and treat people with respect and those sort of things. But, um, just kind of the idea of like taking a step back and saying like, wait, okay. These people are saying they're like, they're, they're just like for years working like 20 hour days and they're doing all these things. And you see these people, um, kind of like having success. Um, but that's like their version of success. And if your version of success is to like do great projects and do stuff that works for your clients. Um, but, um, to also just have the like freedom to travel or the, the ability to, um, spend time with family or people that are important to you. Um, I don't know. All I mean to say there is that um, freelancing can look different. Right. Like maybe the rise and grind isn't quite as, the rise and grind is great. Yeah, yeah. Rise and grind is great. And the work 20 hours a day, like if that's what you want to do and exactly. do that all the time, like cool, you have the freedom to do that. I feel like this is what you're trying to say, but it, exactly. but it doesn't have to be like that. And yeah. You I can think make a choice of yeah. like, you have the freedom to yeah. set your own boundaries. Exactly. I mean, just like, you know, there's a billion different ways of what freelancing can look like. And just kind of like to remind yourself that my freelance experience doesn't have to look like everybody else's. Yeah. Um, uh, so that was a much, that was a very like esoteric, I think. Takeaway. <laughs> um, but the, 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 the more like uh, practical ones, I suppose, are like, you know, work with people that you trust and that you get along with um, because um, and then, you know, you're just treating everybody with respect um, and you can kind of get, you know, anywhere. I don't know that I loved those answers to that question. It's OK. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, I don't know what what else you want to talk about? What else? Freelancing is a wide open. There's a lot of things we can cover yeah, it's here. It's huge. Um, do you ever? Are there any? 
you office any co-working space or anything like that? Or you work at home? No, I work mostly at home. Um, but I'm actually looking at co-working spaces around by where I am. Hey, there's this one that's cool in wax space. <laughs> oh, I know it We're is. We're inside of it right now. Right now. I, yeah, here. I love wax space. Wax space is awesome. I, I live really, I live far from wax space. So it's, uh, so it's what's, good. uh, so you work from home. What's your setup look like with that kind of stuff there? Do you have like a separate space that's dedicated to that? Are you in a loft so everything is all in one room? Do you? Yeah, I have um, I have a desk, a, like area, like a work area with like a monitor and those sorts of things. Um, but it's like in my bedroom. It's the same room technically. So um, it is like its own kind of little space. I mean, it's not technically its own space, but it's, you know, I've, I have a desk, I have a monitor when I'm sitting there, I'm working. Um, so I work there, but you know, working from home gives me the flexibility to like sit on the couch and, or at the table or anything and just kind of move around. Um, but I do enjoy, I mean, I work a lot at my desk because of the monitor. Do you, you find yourself liking that you work at home and being in that same place or do you find yourself, I guess, what I guess I really want to get to is are you able to separate work time and not work time and to like shut your brain off or switch your brain out of work mode Yeah, when you work in the same space as you live? Yes. So that is a great question because that is one thing that I have gotten a lot better over the last year because when I first started freelancing, it was kind full time. When I first started freelancing full time, it was like, I felt like I'd be, I'd be done working and I'd have, I say done working. I would wrap up the things that I needed to do that day. And there'd be things that I needed to do like tomorrow, right? Or things that were either due tomorrow or due in a couple days, right? So they're like on my to-do list. Um, and I would either just keep working on them or I would like feel guilty that I wasn't working on them because it's such a like unstructured way to work. Um, and I really kind of had to give myself the like permission to be like, Hey, wait, I need to do these things today. And when I'm done with these things, I don't have to worry that I'm not working. So there was kind of that, uh, there were several, I mean, like, you know, months and months at the beginning of uh, full-time freelance that I did struggle with, um, like, when do I stop working? Cause I'm never like done with all of my work. There's still something there. Um, but there are times when you got to kind of, or I found I needed to give myself kind of that permission to, Hey, it's fine to be done working, you know? Um, so I'll, I'll typically just kind of like make a list at the beginning of the day and say, I need to make, I need to get these things done. Um, and then things will come up during the day that I'll have to take care of as well. But pretty much when I'm done with those, I go, all right, well, I'm good. And I just kind of can stop working. Um, so it's something that I did have to kind of rewire my brain. Do you, that, that's great that you were able to do that, that quickly for me. It took me a long time to realize like, Hey, this is not a great idea to work at home and to not have boundaries in my mind. And, uh, working at home now, do you, ever have a hard time not going in and doing the dishes in the middle of the day, whenever it's time to work or being like, oh, I could really dust that counter over there and yeah. seeing like other little things like that. Yeah. That's like the being productive while you're procrastinating thing. 
Yeah, like, <laughs> no, I heard it that way. Being, I like yeah. that. Um, Procrastinative, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, but like, yeah, that is a huge thing of working at home. Is just like, I'm not like it's it's fairly easy to be like I I shouldn't just like stare at my phone when I should be working, right? But it's a lot harder to be like, well, I shouldn't do the dishes. Because you should do the dishes, but like not now because it's like work time now, you know. Um, so, yeah, working at home is that. And I have um, I still I, I'm like not a morning person. So it takes me a while to like ramp up to get get to working. Um, so that's why I'm kind of looking at like co-working spaces and stuff, uh, because you kind of know when to start working. Right. Because you drive or bike to that place and then you're there to start working. So, yeah. Cool, man. Uh, I don't know that I have any more questions right now that are coming to mind. All right. If there's anything else that you can think of, like any last, last like wrap up things that maybe we haven't covered things that you want to say. Things I'm freelancers need to know. He's thinking y'all. He's thinking. Um, yeah, I think the, the big thing is we we were talking about it earlier, but freelancing can look like whatever you want it to look like. Um, so kind of, uh, don't be like intimidated by the things that you see other freelancers doing, or don't be like bound to those kind of ideas of what they want their life to like, want their life to look like. Cause everybody wants their life to look differently and freedom, uh, freelancing gives you that kind of awesome freedom to be able to like mold your life the way that you want it to be and do the types of projects that you want and spend your time the way you want to spend it. Um, so I think kind of the idea is like, um, don't get bogged down in what other people say freelancing is cause it can be whatever you want it to be. Um, and it's been a, it's been a great, awesome freeing thing for me. Um, so yeah. Well, thanks so much, Tommy, for coming on. Where can people find you and your work online? Yeah, you can find me, uh, on Instagram at, at Tommy Blake design, Tommy Blake design, and then TommyBlake.com is my portfolio website. If you want to check that out. Otherwise, yeah, you can find everything from there. Sweet. Thanks so much. We'll also have links to that stuff in the show notes. Uh, anywhere you find this podcast, also at vacacy.com slash freelance Friday, where you can check out this episode, obviously, and others. And if you would, please go and uh, on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave a rating and a review if you wouldn't mind. It's really helpful for us at Freelance Friday to kind of figure out what it is that's really helpful for our audience and to know what we can better do to equip you and help you grow in your freelance career or even just your interest in uh, in the freelance industry. Uh, the whole goal with this show is to really be able to provide resources and inside uh, listening in on conversations with freelancers and the things that I felt like would have really helped me whenever I got my freelance career going. Thanks so much for listening in today and see you next time. Freelance Friday is a Vacacy production. Vacacy is a freelance content creator based in the United States and available worldwide. Vacacy, big production value, freelance agility and scale.